are listening to America's Healthcare Challenge on News Talk 1290, News Talk 1290KOIL.com, and the News Talk 1290 mobile app. Once again, here's Sean McGuire. Welcome back to America's Healthcare Challenge. 402-342-1290 if you have any questions for us at any point. This topic is going to be something that you're going to want to pay attention to, so listen up. Hidden plan exclusions are something that uh, is going to be a, a big deal, especially going into 2017. The largest insurer pulled out of the marketplace here recently, and the plans that they did leave available for individuals are catastrophic and bronze plans only, leaving potential uh, gaps in coverage. And, Stuart, uh, we've got this uh, this topic identified. I think this is really important for people to pay attention to, um, especially in particular women, uh, because there are certain gaps in women care, women's care, for example, right? Very true, very true. Uh, buried in the fine print of many of these health plan documents is language that allows them to refuse to cover a wide range of services. Uh, it's unclear to the extent of what these uh, coverage exclusions have prevented many people from getting the needed treatment. You know, and it, it, it varies across the board. So I put together just a few of them here. Uh, treatment for conditions that result from non-covered services. If you get an infection following cosmetic surgery, not covered. Maintenance therapy for a chronic disease. Uh, genetic testing, except as required by law. Fetal reduction surgery. Uh, something which sometimes is recommended when a woman is carrying multiple fetuses. Uh, treatment for self-inflicted conditions, such as suicide attempt or eating disorder, and preventive services not required by law. So, you know, I guess what our message here to the folks on this topic, Sean, is is to work with your doctor to get the needed treatment. Get their help in providing proof of the medical necessity of the treatment that you need. And I guess when we look at these exclusions, it's really important for doctors uh, and clinicians to help uh, patients define the treatment that's needed as medically necessary. That will cause it to be a covered expense under an insurance policy, whether that's individual or group. That's very important, particularly, as you indicated, Sean, going into 2017. Would it be appropriate to bring up the issue of preauthorizations uh, on this po- on this topic? Um yeah, because I think that's that would be a, a, a helpful situation for folks. You know, you look at your policy and, and you think you have coverage uh, for a particular item, uh, and <clears throat> most hospitals require pre-admission. Uh, and the, the reason why they do that is not only pre-admission testing, but also the, the folks in the administration there uh, predetermine whether your particular coverage will cover what you're coming into the hospital or treatment center for. So, yeah, I mean, that's when you discover the holes in what you have and whether or not you need to go back to the doctor to make sure that he or she will certify that what you're going in there for is medically necessary. Right. And, in fact, will be covered by the policy. Yes, and I've had to experience that myself personally, so I just wanted to to bring that up because and I think uh, a lot of people People are going to, to see that, especially uh, with some of the carriers that are left in, in the marketplace that uh, really practice those 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 behaviors. I guess yeah. I could say. Um, other gaps in, in health insurance, Stuart. Um, anything else to add on that point? No, not really. I mean, those those are just the, the glaring things that we'll see. Every policy is going to have its own exclusion. 
Um, you know, you really have to read it carefully mm-hmm. <clears throat> in, in terms of what it will cover versus what it won't cover. And if you have areas that it won't cover, and if you have large out-of-pocket expenses, this is something uh, that you need to look into in terms of, of you know, uh, gap coverage, which is the next area I think that we should talk about, John. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there are gap plans which are separate policies to cover deductibles. Gap plans are used to cover out-of-pocket expenses like high deductibles, uh, which are, are becoming necessarily popular amongst consumers and also, uh, you know, businesses. With monthly premiums on health insurance going up, more people are choosing cheaper, high-deductible plans. Mm-hmm. In 2016, this year, more than 90% of the people buying insurance under either the ACA or through their employer uh, have chosen plans with an average deductible of $3,000 or higher. So next year, the cost of uh, popular plans available under the ACA uh, could increase across the country by more than 10% to 30%. So you really have to look at what you're being offered and seeing what the holes are, what the gaps are, uh, and see where you can plug those gaps with a program called GAP insurance coverage, which I know that uh, that your firm provides, John. Yes, that, that is a great point, and I think people need to be aware that uh, policies like that do exist, and for the right person, uh, they're a great strategy to utilize, and they're mm-hmm. they're pretty cost-effective, aren't they? Yes, they are. They're, yeah. they're relatively inexpensive, you know, relative to the underlying policy that they look to protect. Well, it's important because if somebody has an issue at the beginning of the year, and that's going to meet their deductible, they might have to come up with like $6,000. And yep. a lot of people don't have that sitting around. That's true. So that's uh, that's important. Uh, and that brings us to the next part of it, uh, the, the scary thing of uh, receiving health care to a lot of folks is uh, once you get the bill uh, from the hospital, we should talk about what's in them. And then we can also talk about the other thing that is uh, this is not a bill that a lot of people get as well. I had personal experience with this uh, several years ago uh, in terms of <clears throat> wanting to make sure, uh, you know, what was in a hospital bill. Uh, you know, my wife uh, went in for, for some treatment, and uh, the, the hospital was quick to want me to assign my benefits. Well, I guess because I'm in the business, Sean, uh, I don't assign benefits so quickly, and I, I would suggest to the listeners that they also don't assign benefits quickly before they have a chance to take a look at these hospital bills that are that are being provided. You know, there are many errors in there, and there are things that, uh, that were being charged for that should not be charged for. In my particular case, I refused to assign my benefits, and, you know, I, I assigned a guarantee of payment, uh, which is a temporary stopgap, you know, guaranteeing the hospital they would get their payment once they released to me a bill. Mm-hmm. I looked through the bill. I spent the time and I looked through the bill and found uh, approximately $26,000 worth of things and items, not only for my wife, but for other patients that were tacked on to my wife's bill. And I caused the insurance company to do an audit. Once the audit was completed, then I assigned the benefits to the hospital and they would pay the net proceeds of what they were entitled to. Wow. <laughs> kind of uh, interesting that uh, given the fact that hospitals are still having record profits, that stuff like that's happening. People really need to be vigilant about this stuff. Yeah, they really do. 
um, <clears throat> you know, it, it's very difficult. It, the easy thing that most people do is just they sign the assignment of benefits to the hospital and they're done with it and they you know, don't want any part of it. But, you know, everything is a two-way street. If you're not vigilant up front, don't be surprised that with the rate increases for either your individual coverage is down the road or if you're in a group coverage, your employer suddenly tells you next year that your percentage of what you have to pay is X because a lot of these bills that were paid by the same carrier were paid by, you know, because of un, uh, uh, unrestricted expenses that nobody caught. And as a result, you have to share the burden of those increased costs. Hmm. Wow. <laughs> what about surprise medical bills? That's uh, that's an interesting part of this topic today. Uh, and it's increasing problem across the country. What happens with narrow networks for both the health plans themselves, uh, as far as the doctors are concerned, uh, the, the hospitals are concerned, the networks that are used uh, for both of those uh, segments, uh, when, when they're provided with a hospital bill, they may use outside vendors that are not part of a network. And as a result of that, they're charged extra because those, those providers were not in the network uh, for their uh, PPO, their HMO, their, their POS, whatever plan that they had. And as, and as a result of that, you know, they're responsible for that. Hmm. And that's uh, something that really hits people if they're not aware of these things. Yeah, and it's a major problem across the country, Sean. A major, major problem today that folks need to be aware of. Do you think people are aware of um, how, how these networks are going to be narrowing over time and what that I, means for I them? I think over time, but as you pointed out so many times, you know, we are very concerned with the marketplace as it unfolds for 2017. The things we're talking about here is critical for the folks to be aware of. If they're in a plan which provides a narrow network for both providers and hospitals, they're going to be hit with this potential problem. Mm-hmm. of having people treat them in a hospital setting that are not part of their of their narrow network, and they're going to be responsible uh, for those charges. And there's unfortunately no way around that, John. Uh, you can complain to the hospital, uh, try to negotiate your way out of these surprise medical bills, uh, indicating that you didn't authorize that, but for the most part, it's a losing battle. Wow. Um, I want to just take one step back. I got a, We got a comment on our Facebook page about uh, assigned benefits. Could you just explain that a little bit more? We had a listener text in about sure. that. Sure. What I mean by assigned benefits, you check into the hospital, and they ask for your proof of insurance, whether you have one coverage or, or two coverages, and you are assigning those benefits to the hospital so that they get paid quickly. My suggestion as we started this segment, John, is don't sign that assignment of benefits. Sign a guarantee of payment and let the hospital administrator know, the folks that are taking that intake information, that you will guarantee payment once you have been provided, which you have a right to do under the Right to Information Act, the Federal Right to Information Act, to receive uh, a discharge bill once you receive that, you will then go ahead and assign the benefits to the hospital. I got you. So it's just really a way for, for someone to see if they're getting charged for for something that uh, they shouldn't be, which happens quite a bit. Let's um, move to another another um, 
a, a topic here, which is really important and not often talked about, unfortunately, uh, which is mental health costs. Um, wh where and how, uh, how and uh, treatment options. Uh, I think, um, you know, a lot of people don't uh, address mental health as much as they should in the public policy arena because I think it affect, it's something that people don't want to talk about, yeah, quite frankly. Yeah. Uh, but we're going to talk about it, and, and let, let's because uh, it, uh, it is quite expensive, and uh, there are, should be and could be other better options out there for folks. Do you want to talk about this segment? Though? Sure, sure. Yeah, let's okay. go into this okay. one, and then um, we'll take a break after this. Okay. Several years ago, there was a bill called the Paul Wellstone Bill. Uh, Paul Wellstone, uh, senator out of Minnesota, yep. passed a mental health bill. And it was a mental health parity bill, which meant that if you're in a group setting, mental health should be treated the same as any other illness. And, uh, you know, I, I guess we hold these carriers their, their feet to the fire in terms of actually providing that, particularly today. Mm -hmm. You look at the news and things that are happening, uh, you know, all over the United States, uh, you know, people shooting people, schools, community centers, movie, movie theaters, uh, you know, malls, and a lot of it is attributable to mental health. So you're absolutely right. This is a very big issue across the country. Uh, Companies want their employees to seek mental health treatment, you know, when it's needed. Um, most companies are trying uh, mobile apps that help workers uh, easily find and receive treatment. Telemedicine is really delivering uh, a large part of that, but we'll talk about telemedicine, you know, later. Mm -hmm. Companies are waking up to the cause of untreated mental illness like depression, which is linked to $44 billion a year in lost work, uh, workplace productivity. Wow. It's affecting them as well as the individual, and they're starting to pay attention to this. Uh, industry data suggests that work is suffering from depression. Cost companies 27 lost workdays a year. That's a lot of lost, uh, lost time here, Sean. Mm -hmm. well, you heard the term mental health day. I'm going to take a mental health day. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, employee assistance program called EAPs typically offer workers free counseling sessions by phone. Uh, anywhere from two to five percent of employees typically use their EAPs, uh, according to our, our industry statistics. And I would venture to to suggest to the public that they look at their benefit plans to see if they have an EAP benefit uh, and where necessary to really use that. And, and vendors, if people are concerned about privacy, vendors report aggregate use from their employees. Uh, they don't. They don't show individual workers' use to employers. That's you know that's private uh, you know information and it has protected as you well know under HIPAA. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Any other things on, on uh, this or treatment options, Stuart? Well, again, mental health uh, is available in the public sector, uh, difficult to find, but it's out there, as well as in a hospital setting. Uh, and more and more benefit plans are trying to provide these kinds of service, uh, both in-network and, and at-a-network, in-hospital, at-a-hospital, you know, to the population. If you consider that 155 million people get their benefits from employers. This is where you'll find the widespread availability 
of mental health services mm-hmm. in, in a workplace setting. Right. Well, I couldn't believe that number, $44 billion, you said, in lost productivity. Yep. Uh, that That's just massive. It's and, huge. And, you know, and when you talk about wellness uh, for an employer, I, I always say with the people that I visit with, you've got to include the mental health component because if your people aren't, aren't happy and, and feeling well, how can you expect them to, to be productive for you? Well, and again, the EAP uh, facility is very important. Uh, you'll find... Uh, many uh, many large employer plans have EAPs. Uh, if it's not part of their their uh, wellness component, it's a standalone benefit that the employer provides. And again, you have to have an outlet for people who are uh, sitting there at their desk. You know, they've got marital problems, they've got mental health problems, they've got financial problems, uh, just a myriad of other assortment uh, of problems that are not allowing to be. Uh, fully engaged at work, and it's all boils down to the mental health component here, Sean. Right, right. Well, great. Let's. Uh, that, that takes us to a, our next time out here, Stuart. Uh, when we come back, we're going to uh, look at some really important topics. Uh, I'm really excited to talk about clinical trials and costs. Yep. Uh, for for example, and we'll try and uh, get through that telehealth and uh, the big thing of of concern with relation to healthcare costs are diagnostic tests. We'll touch on that as well next segment. More with Stuart Sloan, president of SIG Consulting. You're listening to America's Healthcare Challenge. If this is the first time you're listening, thanks for joining me. My name is Sean McGuire. Check out our blog, healthreformexplained.com, and that has all of our content from uh, the show and then my analysis if you would like to see that. We'll be right back. 